Hi guys, welcome to Learn Kenyan Law with Wanjiko. I am your host, Wanjiko Mwangi. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about leadership and integrity, especially here in Kenya. But before we delve much into it, I'll let our guest today introduce himself. Karibu sana. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Minga Mwaziwe. I'm a student of law at Montekini University Parklands Law Campus. I am also the president there. Yes. Karibu sana Mwaziwe. I'm glad that you're also a student leader. And for today, we're going to be talking about leadership in our government, in our institutions, and in our um, corporate world as well. And as we know, when it comes to leadership, I feel like it's an important competitive advantage when it comes to a country or rather a company. That is like the most important thing in an institution. And of course, it can either be an asset or a liability. So for us to discuss, to start off our topic today, I'd like us to talk about Chapter 6 of the Constitution of Kenya. What are some of the contents that a normal Mwanainchi should know when it comes to the contents of Chapter 6 of the Constitution? Yeah, so thank you so much. So uh, the contents of Chapter 6 of our Constitution of Kenya 2010 uh, talks about leadership and integrity. And it talks about the responsibilities of leadership, uh, oath of office for state officers or public officers, which include the president, the deputy president, cabinet secretaries, judges, and magistrates. Uh, it also talks about the conduct of state officers, financial probity, uh, then the restriction on activities by state officers, and other matters such as the citizenship and what it entails for you or, on, or what, what it pertains on matters of citizenship to a public officer. Okay, great. I like the fact that you've also talked about um, leadership and integrity. And before we even delve deeper into this, what do we mean when we say leadership and integrity? What does it really entail? Um, leadership and, uh, and integrity uh, go hand in hand. Eh? Because um, integrity, integrity mostly revolves around you know, having that honesty and, and uh, the moral values that... Uh, that are requisite for you to occupy a leadership position. Mm -hmm. And therefore, leadership and integrity are two things that go hand in hand. And therefore, in, um, in general terms, I can, I can say these are the moral principles and values or ethics that have to be upheld by all uh, state officers or public officers. Okay, so um, from that definition, what I hear you saying is that, of course, we're talking about competence and suitability. When it comes to elections, we also want it to be free and fair. Of course, when it comes to delivery of service, we're talking about having selfless service um, delivery, also being committed in the kind of service that you're giving. And of course, accountability, I feel like, is also a very big part of leadership and integrity, as you said. So um, in that same breath, we know here in Kenya we already have a Leadership and Integrity Act 2012. I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about it. What is its purpose? Which body is even responsible of, you know, enforcing or rather implementing what that specific Act of 2012 talks about? Yeah, the, the Integrity Act of uh, 2012, I can say the main purpose is to, you know, to have to develop a conduct that promotes ethical behavior in leadership. And um, when we talk about ethical behavior, our constitution, Article 10, talks about the national values and principles of governance that actually are entrenched in uh, the Leadership and Integrity Act. So its purpose is to enforce ethical behavior, have that uh, a state hygiene that upholds the national values and principles of governance. And the body that is in charge uh, of enforcing 
the ethical behavior of public officers is the ethics and and corruption commission it receives complaints it investigates and it can prosecute um, instances where public officers have contravened the code of conduct or behaved otherwise than illustrated under the integrity act uh, so basically you're saying that this specific act is um is put there to ensure that state officers and public officers you know respect the values and the principles that are already set down in the constitution and you've also mentioned article 10 precisely definitely so um i've heard you mention terms like state officer public officer is there a difference between a state officer and a public officer uh yes 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 uh all government employees are public officers all government employees are public officers while state officers are those offices that have been established under article 206 of the constitution of kenya which include but not limited to the president the deputy president cabinet secretaries principal secretaries office of the attorney general the dpp you know the office of the inspector general of police and so on so that is the distinction Ah okay so basically yes. um state officers are like the ones you've mentioned the president dpp etc yeah. and then when you're talking about public officers these are employees by employees the, government. the government so we can teachers exactly yeah. uh, teachers doctors, doctors people at the huduma center basically yes. any person who's providing a government service, service. that is a state officer yeah. and as you've reiterated again that uh, the contents of chapter 6 should apply to both of them definitely so both. when we're having this discussion we're not just talking about people in politics we also talking about that teacher who is in class yeah. that doctor yeah because uh, chapter 6 chapter 6 mm-hmm. of the constitution mm-hmm. is stemmed from the supremacy of the constitution that it binds all state organs state officers and public officers all together yeah yes okay um so we've talked about the leadership and integrity act and um you've mentioned about um of course public officers and state officers behaving in a particular way and holding some specific values what are some of the consequences for the breach of such a code uh the consequences of breaching the code of conduct definitely uh it will definitely result into penalties mm-hmm. um prosecution mm-hmm. and uh when when you talk about penalty we have imprisonment and fines or both yeah and um the fine is not exceeding 5 million mm-hmm. for breach of the code of conduct yes or imprisonment then uh there's you can also have your your you know your job terminated that is a form of penalty but prescribed under the the act is the fines mm-hmm. imprisonment yeah okay um before we even end this discussion i'd like us to talk a little bit about some of the signs um that you can be able to look when outside or rather how are you able to diagnose a bad leadership what are the signs um when 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 you find that in an in an entity or an institution there is no disclosure of information mm-hmm. that is a warning sign that mm-hmm. something is not right yeah. two we also have uh some sort of a central command like a dictatorship Mm-hmm. yeah like we want to put things to ourselves or oh, this is it you, you you know you have no option of saying otherwise that is also a sign of of bad leadership so you can clearly tell they say when it quacks like a duck quacks like a duck it's definitely <laughs> a, a duck. duck yeah yes um when we were introducing the topic today we talked about the contents of chapter 6 of the constitution 
I'd specifically want you to take us through how, how do I conduct myself as a state officer as provided in the constitution and probably other relevant bodies. How do I conduct myself as a teacher? How do I conduct myself as, as someone who is in Nyayo House, who's issuing passports? Basically, if I'm a state officer, how should I be conducting myself, which aligns with the law of Kenya? Yeah, so <clears throat> number one, we have the, the national values and principles of good governance which number we can talk of being transparent, you know, professional, being professional under under the Leadership Integrity Act. Any state officer or public officer is supposed to be professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, have, you have to uplift public trust. You get that confidence to the people that you can deliver. You have to avoid conflict of interest. Yes. You know, uh, respect of people, you know, um, there, there are also some characters that a, a public officer should shun away, like abuse of office, you know, having a mandate or you know over, overstepping them or, or overstepping your mandate, or what in law would say, you know, you are doing things outside your jurisdiction. And I and I will tell you maybe from a from a, a living example that we just experienced the other day mm-hmm. on um, on on abuse of office or or, or excessive use of, of power. Is when the the CS for Health Susan Nakumicha ordered the transfer of an OCS mm-hmm. in Matisse Police Station. That is not under her jurisdiction or under under her powers. In fact, even the Constitution does not allow any person to direct the the police service to transfer, deploy, fire, you know, or uh, promote any any member of the public office. So that is abuse of office. Mm-hmm. We talk also conflict uh, conflict of interest where. You'll find that you are working for a, for a state office, but you you are most interested maybe with the tenders, mm-hmm. you know, doing business with a state office while you are a state officer is also one uh, of the of the don'ts of a public of a public officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, false declaration, you know, as a, as a, as a public officer when you are making de- declarations. Maybe to assume that office, you have, you you have to be truthful and not conceal some of the information that is needed for you to, you know, to be processed to be a public officer, like concealment of assets, and so on and 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 so on. And there's also a disciplinary procedure for the same. Once you you know you go against the code of conduct or these values and principles that uh, you have to to uphold. So there's a disciplinary procedure, the internal disciplinary procedure, and maybe. On an extreme ends, then you can't be arraigned in a court of law. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, for clarity reasons, I feel like it's important for us to. It is important for me to highlight what you've just said again. Okay. As a state officer, mm-hmm. what are the do's under um under our constitution, of course, and under the Leadership and Integrity Act? One of the most important things I've heard you say is that you have to respect and abide by the law. In whatever it is that you're doing, you should ensure that you're not acting outside your powers. Yes. You should also take personal responsibilities, especially when you fail to do, or rather when you when you when you carry out a duty, or rather also when you fail to carry out a duty as you're supposed to do. And of course, when it when you're saying um you should take personal responsibility, this is where we're talking about transparency. You know, you should be able to keep accurate official records and documents. You should be able to tell us, um, as a company, we did this as a as a county government, we have this, this is how we spent it. 
of course any person who's a state officer or a public officer should have official records should of course um you've really emphasized on public confidence yes. you know and ensuring that people trust you you've also talked about professionalism which for me i feel like that is one of the areas we really need to enforce especially for state officers sometimes you go probably just want a passport but the way that person is talking to you you wonder what is this you know you need to be professional in the delivery of your service if you're a teacher you need to be respectful and not only to the parents we're also talking about respect to the children i don't know if you saw the other day there's a teacher who was sentenced because apparently uh, the teacher was taken to court because apparently um he beat a kid and the kid died yeah 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 you know so um when we're talking about respect when it comes to teachers we're not saying that respect the parents only children have rights and they should also be respected and professionalism should be observed so of course you've also talked about not having not um being in a position where you have conflict of interest you know of course another thing that we can probably emphasize on is of course mental maintaining public property yeah. and maintaining it in a good way we cannot even overemphasize the fact that as a state officer you need to pay your taxes as a public officer you should be on the forefront when it comes to paying your taxes and um one of some of the don'ts um that I've also had you highlight is the fact that you shouldn't be um misusing public resources you should not be of course um how do we call it accepting monetary gifts that are basically it's like unahongwa yeah that is like one of the big dons that we cannot overemphasize mm. you know when you're talking about our traffic officers i wish we would be in a country where a traffic officer would not get money you know would not be bribed if you can call it like that of course um another thing that i've also um had ha- you emphasize of course is um financial obligations should ensure that you're not neglecting your financial um financial obligation and of course you're not misrepresenting information to the public so i feel like these are some of the most if not because we of course we can talk and talk and talk about them but i would really want us to dwell on the topic of soliciting money from the public when you're delivering your service what are your thoughts on that uh to me <laughs> i will say it it is a it is a matter of culture mm-hmm. it is a matter of culture I I happen to have uh, uh, the privilege of visiting Rwanda and uh, m- let me just speak uh, an example of the traffic the you know the traffic organization management and uh, in Rwanda it's very rare for for the traffic officers to solicit bribes eh? mm-hmm. but um when I when I when I, I was really interested to know what is it that happens what what is it that upholds this culture and it is just the discipline but uh, back at our home here it has become a culture that if you are the innocent uh, sorry you are the most honest person in a in an entity or in government then you'd not benefit fully and that is why there is no pride of being honest mm. it is a culture that we have cultivated and it is really a thorn in our flesh because it is hindering service delivery uh, as you said when you want to get essential services yeah and this i'm saying this from experience when you are when i was traversing the country and uh, i happened to have had an encounter with the immigration offices mm-hmm. in busia and mm-hmm. it was really really frustrating you have all the required documents for you to you know to go the other side in uganda mm-hmm. but they will still still come up with something just because they want money from you yes so it's like now when you are a state officer or a public officer you are in business and if you are the honest the only honest person then maybe you are you are the wrong person in that office yeah. so this is a culture that you have cultivated and um, 
I just hope that with time it will end. If mm-hmm. we have a, a government or these uh, bodies, eh, mm-hmm. the public entities that, you know, champion for transparency, you know, accountability, sanctioning even these uh, state officers when when they they uh, they get involved in even money laundering and bribery. I think it will it will serve a big deal. But for now, uh, corruption is being applauded. Mm-hmm. Corruption is being applauded. Unfortunately, you you will hear even some of the public entities, and and I'm not afraid to say this, like the the office of the DPP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on the front line of dropping notorious corruption cases involving high, high profile politicians. Yeah, and this is like you're encouraging them to you know, to continue looting. Mm-hmm. And even some of the penalties that they get from our, our judiciary are also not acting as a deterrence to other officers. You you loot 50 million and uh, your fine is around 5 million. So you see, it's good business. So this is a culture that we need to come out collectively and fight. Uh, both as government and, uh, and civilians, citizens, we need to come together and say no to corruption, no to bribery, no to money laundering. I totally agree with you. And I like the fact that you've um, talked about the office of the ODPP, you know, withdrawing some of the most important cases that we have. You know, sometimes I feel like in our country, the person who steals chicken is punished more than the person who loots public property, where else it should be the other way around. So um, in that same breath, can we also talk about financial integrity, especially in um, in public officers? Yeah, uh, when we talk about financial integrity in in public officers, first it it starts at the point where these uh, these people or these these um, public officers are applicants. Eh? Mm-hmm. You'll hear you have to make a declaration of your wealth. You know, uh, that is probity. But but uh, as as always, they they have a way of you know circumventing the system. And uh, even if uh, an applicant to a state office was once charged or is under investigation, I believe the drafters of our constitution um, on the rights of the accused, the presumption of innocence, mm-hmm. I, I tend to feel that this was a backdoor. This, this was, a, is a, is a, was a backdoor so that they can have their way out. Because even if we have um, a an officer who is an applicant to a, to a state office mm-hmm. and he has been involved in financial crimes and is still under investigation, you see the constitution will protect him because he's still innocent until proven otherwise. Yeah. So I think uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to financial probity of these uh, state officers, we, re- we really need to up our game. Mm-hmm. We really need to up our game. We need to be firm. Uh, even the declaration, even in fact, declaration, there are false declarations that are made and concealment of assets, yeah, yeah, by 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 public officers, yeah, unfortunately. So, I think we need to up our game on this end and uh, strengthen these public entities that investigate and prosecute economic crimes and financial crimes involving state officers. Yeah, just yesterday, uh, the High Court. You know, adjourned the case of the Aurora and Kimorel case mm-hmm. because the witness said he's not in the right state of mind, and that case has been dragging all along, and it involved state officers, high-profile state officers. So, I think it's high time we need the if 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 indeed we are we are very genuine and sincere about ending, you know, the financial. Um, crimes that are associated with state officers, then we need we need to strengthen 
uh, these public entities, the ESCC, the office of the DPP. Yeah. Yeah, so that we have these cases prosecuted mm-hmm. and definitely that will act as uh, deterrence. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, just the other day also mm-hmm. we had the president, you know, the the what do you call it? The pre- prerogative of mercy. He forgive uh, this guy called Koech who mm. had been sentenced for thirty nine years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over 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 graft. It was a graft case and it's prosecuted. So I believe we the state in in its capacity uh, plays a critical role in. Uh, you know, in uh, either promoting or hindering corruption among among state officers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree with you. And um, let's also just briefly talk about um, operating a bank account when you're when you when you you know operating a bank account outside Kenya. You know, it was just last year that we had uh, that investigation that was done, and we could see that uh, our former president had a bank account in a certain place, and the amount that was in that bank account was also so, you know, you can't even um, understand where all that money is coming from. Yeah, yeah, and um, when we talked about the contents of uh, Chapter Six eh, on financial probity, a mm-hmm. very important aspect of uh, Chapter Six: state officers are not allowed to have overseas accounts. Mm-hmm. State officers are not allowed to have overseas accounts, but when you find a head of state uh, having uh, offshore accounts with huge monies, eh, it brings the question of: Is he above the law? Is he above the law? Yeah, that's a big question. Yes, and still, um, in the same breath as you're saying that, at least state officers are, you know, encouraged not to have um foreign, you know, offshore accounts. Still, under the EACC they still give some leniency when it comes to a state officer who wishes to have a bank account outside Kenya. And um, they actually require you to fulfill a specific form. And, you know, um, in that form that you provided for it's online, you can, it's online, you can just um, download it. It's about five pages. You need to tell us your personal details. You tell us your employment detail, which ministry are you, which department are you, what is the employer's, uh, who is your employer such things you also need to provide um information of the account details you know which country are you operating which country are you opening this account from where is it what's the account number when was it actually opened then you also need to tell us what's your monthly salary remember this is a form that you're filling under the eacc what's your monthly salary and what's the expected annual turnover or other expenditure that you're expecting to be having and then the most important part i feel like um under this form is talking about the reasons for opening this account but sometimes i'm wondering which reason would you be having as a state officer to be operating offshore accounts and uh and from from the experiences that we have had, at least the state officers previously who have been flagged to to have offshore accounts, mm-hmm. and the monies there cannot be accounted. Exactly, for. yeah. So to me, I feel also the EACC um, on this matter mm-hmm. is just a matter of formality. Yeah, it's just a matter of formality. Mm-hmm. Filling the form, you know, saying the reasons of doing this and this. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you are holding a uh, monies that are equivalent to a budget of a whole country, honestly, in an offshore account, it beats logic. Of course. Why, yeah. why, why don't you bank that money in, in your country? Yeah. It, it, it is just uh, a suspicion scheme. Eh? Yeah. Or maybe you are trying to run away from you know being detected here. And that's why you, you go to, to the offshore accounts. Mm. So 
The same same question, the big question is why would you want to, to put your money outside and you are here and you are a state officer who you have confidence in our economy and our banking systems. Mm-hmm. So it beats logic. I totally agree with you. For me, it only makes sense, for example, if it's an educational fund, maybe for your kid, or rather if it's for medical purposes, that's the only time it makes sense. But as you've said, again, the amount that is going to be in there is not going to be, you know, too much that we don't even understand where it's coming from. And before we even end this discussion today, can we talk about the offenses under the Leadership and Integrity Act, which are some of the offenses that are well outlined in this specific act yeah so um most of the offenses are under under the leadership integrity act eh, they revolve around the code of conduct of these state officers for example false declaration you know and concealment of assets unlawfully acquisition of public property eh, matters of conflict of interest abuse of office nepotism bribery mm-hmm. and money laundering yeah yeah um, I can also probably talk about if you're obstructing or assaulting a person undertaking duties, you know, and if you're assaulting a public officer or if you're threatening them, that's also an offense. Yes. So specifically, it's not just targeting the state officer alone. Mm. It's also targeting another outsider who might want to obstruct me as a state officer from conducting my duties. Mm. Of course, you've talked about deceiving or misleading a person when it comes to them undertaking their duties. Um, you've also talked about providing false information. And another important thing that I feel like is also an offense, and it's really clear in this act, is the failure to declare your bank account that you have outside Kenya. As a state officer and you fail to declare it, it's supposed to be an offense. How people get away with it is another story that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so because um, if if uh, what we have had previously on uh, the revelation, revelations that we get with offshore accounts, mm-hmm. then having offshore accounts just a scapegoat to continue with the corruption schemes yeah and and because what you what you can afford to keep in the country is something that probably in the eyes of, in the eyes of the law is something that is proportionate mm-hmm. but what you keep outside is def- definitely improportionate when you when you look maybe your net worth or what you do versus what you have yeah. on offshore accounts so failure to declare offshore accounts i think going forward we should be raising a limb light on this mm-hmm. that Let's have all your bank accounts uh, processed, uh, the money is revealed, declare your net worth. Then from there, you can clearly tell whether what you have and you cannot account for, then you should not be holding any public office. However, if what you have on, on, uh, in, on show, offshore accounts, but it's something that you can account for, maybe as you said, for educational purposes or medical purposes, mm-hmm. then well and good. But going forward, I think proper mechanisms should be so that we have full disclosure of all the bank accounts, whether domestic or offshore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you had also mentioned about the penalties that are there once you commit these offenses. You said that if it's a fine, you can get a fine. If it's a penalty, you can also get a penalty. You know, um, the state also has the ability to forfeit any illegal acquired property. Those are some of the penalties that you had earlier mentioned. Yeah. As we are about to end our discussions, our discussion today, how do we save Kenya from an ethical leadership? Um, I think first uh, we have to to empower these uh, these public entities that, uh, you know, that fight corruption and uh, like we have this, um, what do we call it? 
the national integration and uh, uh, the national cohesion and Integra- integration commission uh, mm-hmm. uh because most of these unethical behaviors they can be seen even before uh, the electioneering period it's yes. something that can be, uh, let's say hate speech you know uncouth remarks attacks on the media these are things that you can see but these institutions they turn a blind eye on it until these guys are elected uh, into office or appointed to office and of course the excuse will be everyone is innocent until proven otherwise yeah. so i believe if we are to save kenya from an ethical leadership mm-hmm. it is a collective responsibility mm-hmm. let's have these uh, public entities come on board and we as citizens let us not be deceived by you know short term glory the handouts here and there yeah. because of a politician who you know very well is an unethical mm-hmm. and you know one thing I've, I've i've always believed is we as citizens have the ultimate power yeah. the sovereign power belongs to us we exercise it directly and indirectly through these representatives so as you go and um elect an ethical leader who you can clearly see that is the representative so you and him have no big difference that is your mirror because yeah. he is your representative you have given him your power and uh, people who elect corrupt leaders unethical leaders traitors imposters they are not victims they are accomplices <laughs> yes so we are not victims we are not victims <laughs> we are just accomplices so as long as we um we're putting someone in power and we clearly really know that this person is not a responsible person this person is not a good leader this person does not deliver but because on the day of elections they give us a hundred bob then we can you know give them the same seats yes. so then we should not be complaining we should not be rallying out here and yeah. you know po- picketing yeah, and yeah. pretending that we're demonstrating yeah actually uh, abraham lincoln said eh, elections belong to the people eh? yeah. it is their decision yeah. if you choose to turn your back on the fire and burn your behinds you should be ready to sit on your blisters in fact i think we are going to end this on that <laughs> i will let people think about that <laughs> You know they need to decide is this the life that we want for us as a country and for me I personally say that how our country is governed right now trust you me in our private companies that is exactly the same way these leaders are behaving that is exactly the same way even in your house if you're a house help you feel this kind of um whatever from the top so if you're not able to make the right decisions when it comes to leadership of course bad leaders will not um you know try and push for good leadership they will still pretend that they are pushing for good leadership or else they are actually not so if you're not able to push good leadership from as a country how then are you going to push good leadership in these private organizations so of course um when it comes to public service um there's something i really love that um the french philosopher jean baptiste says as soon as public service ceases to be the chief business of citizens and they rather serve their money than with their persons then the state is not far from its fall so if you're a public servant and you are there to enrich yourself and if us we can observe that these public servants are there enriching themselves then the state is not so far from falling we shall always be complaining and complaining and no change will be had so um thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate your information especially on leadership and integrity and um word for the day or rather something that you should go and think about is as uh, where i'm performing my job if i'm employed am i really fulfilling these contents of chapter 6 am i a good leader you know w- w- how do i conduct myself you know when when, do, when have i breached 
these specific um, laws that we're talking about. And then we'll be able to have a good country. Then when we're coming to elections, you're able to, you know, elect the right leader. So that's going to be it for from us, guys. Asante Nisana. Do enjoy the rest of the week. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.